Our first Old Testament reading is from uh, Joshua chapter 22, verses 1 to 6. It's on page 177 of your Pew Bible. And just to give a word of context, uh, the book of Joshua talks about how Israel has entered into the promised land and has conquered um, the, the promised land. And here at the end, they've by and large completed the task. And uh, so Joshua is giving some parting words to some of the Israelites who live on the other side of the Jordan. Listen here to God's word. Then Joshua summoned the Reubenites and the Gadites and the half-tribe of Manasseh. And he said to them, You have kept all that Moses, the servant of the Lord, commanded you, and have listened to my voice in all that I commanded you. You have not forsaken your brothers these many days to this day, but have kept the charge of the commandment of the Lord your God. And now the Lord your God has given rest to your brothers as he spoke to them. Therefore, turn now and go to your tents, to the land of your possession, which Moses, the servant of the Lord, gave you beyond the Jordan. Only be very careful to observe the commandment and the law which Moses, the servant of the Lord, commanded you, to love the Lord your God and walk in all his ways and keep his commandments and hold fast to him and serve him with all of your heart and with all of your soul. So Joshua blessed them and sent them away, and they went to their tents. Amen. And our second passage from the Old Testament is again Psalm 95, which we did read last week, but funny thing, uh, we'll see it crop up again. So again, that's Psalm 95, which is on page 434 of your few Bibles. Come, let us sing for joy to the Lord. Let us shout joyfully to the rock of our salvation. Let us come before his presence with thanksgiving. Let us shout joyfully to him with psalms. For the Lord is a great God and a great king above all gods, in whose hand are the depths of the earth. The peaks of the mountains are his also, and the sea is his. For it was he who made it, and his hands formed the dry land. Come, let us worship and bow down. Let us kneel before the Lord our maker. For he is our God, and we are the people of his pasture, the sheep of his hand. Today, if you would hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as at Meribah and as in the day of Massa in the wilderness, when your fathers tested me, they tried me. Though they had seen my work for 40 years, I loathed that generation and said they are a people who err in their heart and they do not know my ways. Therefore, I swore in my anger, truly, they shall not enter my rest." Amen. And then our text of primary focus today is Hebrews chapter 4. It says 11 to 16. Um, that's a misprint, and I'll be clear, that's my misprint. Um, we're actually going to start reading in verse 3. So it'll be Hebrews chapter 4, uh, verse, verses 3 through 16, and I believe that's on 171 of your pew Bible. For we, have belie- for we who have believed enter that rest, just as he said, as I swore in my wrath, they shall not enter my rest, although his works were finished from the foundation of the world. 
For he has said somewhere concerning the seventh day, and God rested on the seventh day from all his works. And again in this passage, they shall not enter my rest. Therefore, since it remains for some to enter it, and those who formerly had good news preached to them failed to enter because of disobedience, he again fixes a certain day, today, saying through David, after so long a time, just as had been said before, today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts. For if Joshua had given them rest, he would not have spoken of another day after that. So there remains a Sabbath rest for the people of God. For the one who has entered his rest has himself also rested from his works, as God did from his. Therefore, let us be diligent to enter that rest so that no one will fall through following the same example of disobedience. For the word of God is living and active and sharper than any two-edged sword and piercing as far as the division of soul and spirit of both joints and marrow and able to judge the thoughts and intentions of the heart. And, therefore, er, and there is no creature hidden from his sight, but all things are open and laid bare to him to, to the eyes of him who, with whom we have to do. Therefore, since we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast our confession, for we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who has been tempted in all things as we are, yet without sin. Therefore, let us draw near with confidence to the throne of grace, so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Amen. Take just a moment and meditate on the Word of God. Good and gracious God, <clears throat> you have said today, if we hear your voice, we should believe. We should, try, we, we should seek diligently to enter your rest. And so, Lord, we pray uh, this morning that we would heed your call to enter your rest, that our hearts would be open and receptive to your eternal word, and that we might follow wherever you lead. And it is in the name of your Son that we do pray. Amen. Last week we looked at a call to encourage one another. It was the one, you know, encourage one another day after day, as long as it's called today. And the primary um, motivation for that call to encourage one another was the negative example of the Israelites. In fact, the author of Hebrews said, consider the Israelites who, through their disobedience, um, through their grumbling, you know, did not enter the promised land. Well, today, in the passage in Joshua, we see, if possible, just about the only example to, to, to emulate the Israelites in the Old Testament. Maybe that's an overstatement, I don't know. But we saw in Joshua 22 that the people of God um, had, had kind of come to possess the land of Israel. So just think about that. Last week, right? We had an entire generation that was condemned to die in the wilderness because of their disobedience. 
Well, this week in Hebrews, uh, the, the author is referencing a different generation. He's referencing, in essence, a different people. These are Israelites who had followed after the the generation that had died, and they entered into the promised land under the direction of Joshua, and and they had defeated their enemies. They had driven folks out. They, They had killed those, by and large, that they were supposed to have killed, and they had come to inherit the land. Praise the Lord. And Joshua is sending them to, you know, go and live. Now that we've possessed the land, go and live in the land. And he says, go, because the Lord's given you rest. Which is kind of odd, because we saw in Hebrews chapter 4, verse 8, that the author says, well, if Joshua had given them rest, we wouldn't be speaking of another day after that. So... It seems that there's this odd contradiction that Joshua has given the, you know, the the people get rest in the days of Joshua, but in the days of the author of Hebrews, there's no rest. Hmm. Well, as we think about this, we need to remember, actually, the very beginning of the scriptures. We see in Genesis 1, right, that God creates all things of nothing in the space of six days. And what does it say about the seventh day? It says on the seventh day he rested from all of his labors. Now, if you look carefully at Genesis 1, what you'll see is that it it says very clearly, you know, there's evening, there's morning, day one. There's evening, there's morning, day two. And so on and so on it goes through the week. Except that day seven is a little different. There is no morning and evening. It's as though day seven continues forever. Now, we, we know from our human perspective, day seven doesn't continue forever, that it ends and then it goes into day eight, but we don't have recorded what happened on day eight. All we know is that the Lord entered into rest. What exactly does that mean? That means that God has created all that, that is, the heavens, the earth, the things visible, the things invisible, and after he has created all things, he rests. He rests from his acts of creation. That doesn't mean that he's sitting there idly, you know, twiddling his thumbs, waiting for something cool to happen. That doesn't mean that he <clears throat> is, is asleep or slumbering, right? That means that he is working through history, providentially caring for his creation, but he has stopped from his work of actually creating things, of speaking things into being. Well, what we see in the book of Hebrews in chapter 4 is that the author is saying, listen, folks, there is a Sabbath rest of God that is an eternal rest. And we, as God's people, get to enter into that. It's a different rest than what you might see throughout the Old Testament. It's related, but it's slightly different. And it's better. And you know, we can think about why. We see in Genesis 22, or sorry, in Joshua 22, when Joshua uh, uh, has led the people and they've conquered the land and they've entered into uh, God's rest, what kind of rest is it? 
Well, it's a rest from warring. It's a rest from battle. They don't have to go and wage war against this little kingdom here or that little kingdom here. Jericho's been defeated. They are inhabiting the land and they're at peace. Wonderful. That, I mean, that's, that's genuinely great. But what is described in Hebrews chapter 4 is something even beyond. It's an eternal rest. And it's a rest that is with the Lord. It's the Lord's rest. It's where we are, join with Him. And we can rest from the distresses of sin and suffering. We can rest from, from the distresses of death and the fear of all things apart from the Lord. Hebrews chapter 4 paints a picture of our eternal home and the eternal comfort we will have when we are with the Lord. So how exactly do we enter that rest? I mean, it says, if you look with me at verses 6 and 7, it says, therefore it remains for some to enter it, that's the rest, and those who had formerly received the good news, failed to enter it because of disobedience. Again, he appoints a certain day, today, saying through David, so long afterwards, in the words already quoted, today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts. And this is Psalm 95, right? That, that David rightly understood that there was still a rest for God's people. Even though they, they had peace on all sides of the land, even though they, they were temporarily you know, at rest from war, there was something better to look forward to, a more lasting promise. And David said, listen, if you hear the voice of the Lord today, you need to respond. And we would echo that sentiment. That today, if you hear the word of the Lord, we are to respond in faith and enter that rest. So what would that look like? Well, Hebrews chapter 4 says to be diligent, to seek after it. In fact, uh, some translations of the Bible say that you're to strive to enter the rest. And I kind of then scratch my head and I say, that kind of sounds like an oxymoron. Because when I think of rest, I think of sitting down, taking a nap, not working hard, not laboring hard. Um, probably like the Israelites thought when they, they heard what Joshua said. Now we're at rest. We're not at war. Praise the Lord. But there's something slightly different here. The author of Hebrews is saying, you need to strive or to be diligent to enter that rest that should tell us that it's not a rest of slothfulness. It's not a rest of, of an easy life. Look with me at verses 11 through 16 as we, as we look at how to enter this rest. It says, Therefore, let us be diligent to enter the rest, so that no one will fall through following the same example of disobedience. And then it goes on to say, for the word of God is living and active and sharper than any two-edged sword and piercing as far as the division of soul and spirit, of both joints and marrow, and able to judge the thoughts and intentions of the heart. 
worth pausing and noting. Directly after the author says, you need to work hard to enter the rest, he describes this word of God that is far-reaching. It pierces in so that not any of your, your thoughts or your intentions or, or anything that you say or do is hidden from the word of God. It's able to judge what you do. It's able to determine whether what you do, say, think, feel are good or bad. Now, as we pause and we think about that, if we're honest with ourselves, what is the likely verdict of the Word of God judging what we do and say and think and feel? One, one of the ways I, I had heard it when I was in youth group years ago was what if, you know, there was like a video camera in the back of your head that could record not just what you do, but everything you think and feel and whatever. Who would you show the video to? Right? And the answer is no one. <laughs> not a single person. It would never see the light of day. I would destroy it a thousand times over. Why? Because we all say and think and do and feel things that are sinful. Right? We, we were all born into sin and we add our own sin to it. And so when, when we find out that the Word of God is living and active, and it pierces down into our innermost being and is able to say, this is sinful, this is not, we should probably be a little terrified. Because when we're judged by the Word of God, none of us can stand. But the author of Hebrews uses that fact as the grounds to say, be diligent to enter His rest. How could he do that? Look at verse 14. It says, Therefore, since we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast our confession. Now, as we've been going through the, the book of Hebrews, we've, we've been hitting this idea of holding fast your confession. What does that mean? Well, quite simply, that means Hold fast your confession of faith, that you belong, that you believe to the, in, in the Lord Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, that you belong to Him, right? That is your confession of faith. We see that in Hebrews uh, chapter 2, talking about how can anybody escape so great, um, uh, um, uh, so great a circumstance if, if our sins are counted against us and nobody gets off the hook. How can we survive? We survive by holding to Jesus. It's the same thing here. The author is saying, listen, the Word of God, living and active, judges us, and we are found condemned. Because we're found condemned, hold fast to your confession. What is your confession? It's that Jesus is your Lord and Savior. It is that in Jesus... I am found righteous. And it is in that way that we need to be diligent to enter God's rest. That's not our natural inclination. Our natural inclination is to work hard to prove that we are righteous. To say, look at this really great thing that I did. 
look at how I helped these people. And besides, I'm not nearly as bad as those other people over there. So Lord, I believe in stuff, but I'm also a really great guy. You should want me on your team. That's not what we're to do. That's our natural inclination, but that's not what we're to do. Instead, we are to do what? Hold fast to the Lord Jesus. And we hold to him alone. Now, as a result of that, we will follow in obedience, Lord willing. But we are to hold fast our confession. Now, as we think about holding fast our confession, as we think about entering into this eternal rest, it's a rest from the, the, the dangers of sin and death. It's a rest from the, the, the frustrations and pain of suffering. Where do we go? What, what do we do? Well, um, kind of continuing from chapter 3, we see that the Lord has called us to obedience, right? He, he has called us to follow where he might lead. And within chapter 4, you see this, this ref, you know, reminder. There, there are those who have heard that failed to enter the rest because of disobedience. Therefore, if you hear the voice of the Lord today, you are to seek to enter the rest. Well, how do we understand that they failed to enter? And this is what we talked about last week. They failed to, to follow the Lord because they feared the world around. They, they feared what man could do to them or, or what the circumstances of life were. They did not fear the Lord. So here again, we have to work hard to enter the, the, the rest of the Lord. Not because our own acts of righteousness allow us to enter, but instead we need to work hard because as we respond to the Lord in faith, we, we are to fear the Lord alone and follow wherever He would lead. So then what do we think? When we get into situations where we don't want to follow the Lord. What, what do we do when we say, I don't want to do that? What if the Lord's leading you to go on a short-length missions trip in 2020 to Pekanjikum or Kukuta or, or wherever else we might go in 2020? I don't know. And you say, ah, I can't deal with the mosquitoes and the bugs and, and, and the other things. What do we do? How, how can we understand that? Well, as we look at the last few verses of, our, of chapter 4, we see in verses 15 and 16, For we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who has been tempted in all things as we are, yet without sin. Therefore, let us draw near with confidence to the throne of grace, so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. You see, when, when the Lord has called us to follow, and we, to use the, the, the example you know, earlier, as the wheelbarrow has been placed on the tightrope, 
And we're asking for, you know, and the Lord is asking for volunteers to get in to, to be led across. And we say, eh, I don't know that I want to do that. How do we respond? We can remember that we do not have a God who is unaware of the difficulties. We need to remember that the Lord Jesus Christ was tempted in every way, just as we are. He went through every temptation that we go through. He got hungry. He got tired. He was tempted to, to respond in anger. You know, the scriptures describe you know, his half-brothers who later wrote books of the Bible. Um, I've always said, can you imagine being the half-brother of Jesus? How impossibly frustrating that would be you know, that you'd never win an argument or that he was always right or he was always mom's favorite. Uh, but, but we could think of it the other way. If you're Jesus dealing with half-siblings, half it's like, you know, you get into an argument and it's the, the, other, the other brother says he started it, but the reality is Jesus didn't start it. And, and so you, you're constantly frustrated. Yet he never sinned. Now, that doesn't mean that we can look to Jesus and say, well, if Jesus never sinned, by golly, I'm never going to sin. No, 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 That doesn't work that way. Rather, we can say, Jesus never sinned, but he was tempted in every way. And so I take comfort then knowing that my Redeemer has been through all of the trials of life that I have. So when he bids me to come to him, to follow him, to, to endure difficulty in faith, I can say, okay. Not of my own doing, it, this is a working of the Spirit within me, but, but as, I, you know, as I am able to confess my faith in the Lord Jesus, as I'm able to enter into that rest, I, I follow where He leads. As we then look to the future, as, as we look to, you know, next week, tomorrow, this afternoon, how are we to follow the Lord? We, as the book of Hebrews later calls us, we fix our eyes upon Jesus, the author and perfecter of faith. We recognize that he has redeemed us by his blood. And we recognize that in him we have help in times of need. In him we have grace and mercy. And in the Lord Jesus, we have rest. Not a rest that's a Saturday afternoon rest when there's no ball game on and I fall asleep on the couch. Not a rest that is just a cessation of hostilities that I'm no longer fighting with, well, thankfully not the world, you know, nations around me, but, but the people around me. Not just a rest where... where I feel recharged and rejuvenated, but a rest where I no longer strive for my salvation, where I no longer suffer the effects of sin in the same way, where I can look to the new heavens and new earth where there will be no sin, no suffering, no death, no pain. And it's that rest that I can cling to. And it's because of that rest that I can follow the Lord.